Here we are. So, here we are. Here we are. Here we are. Welcome to Coffee, Eggs and Inspiration. It's a weekly show that goes out over YouTube and as a podcast over all of the major channels. And each week I get to sit with an inspiring person and listen to them tell their story and share it with all of you. This week is no different. I'm joined by Jamie Rawthorn. Welcome, Jamie. Hello, Craig. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Thanks for being here. Jamie is a professional YouTuber uh, who's uh, one half of the Zach and Jay show. Uh, the J half, um, yeah, a, uh, a co-creator of, of that show, um, 700 subscribers, 50 million views. Uh, both uh, Zach and Jay have, have big uh, social followings also on Twitter and Instagram. So real uh, influencers and have built a business and a, and a profession out of this. Uh, by way of background, Jamie attended the University of West England, uh, did a, an entrepreneurship uh, degree there uh, and started by um, founding his own company actually he's an entrepreneur himself uh, called Unique Insights uh, working with predictive uh, software to identify students who are at risk of dropping out and, and did that for a bit sort of walking the talk of the entrepreneurship and then very soon after uh, started YouTube it blew up went mad and here we are today. Um, what a what a fascinating uh, f fascinating history and it's not much of a history you're uh, still starting out in life, Jamie. Um, yeah. Tell me how you met Zach, your your partner in crime. Yeah, so um, yeah, we were on this University of West of England entrepreneurship degree, and um, weirdly, I never really wanted to go to university. I've always, as a sixteen-year-old kid, for as long as I remember, I've always wanted to be an entrepreneur, a hustler. Never wanted a job. Never wanted any of that. And I remember telling my parents, my mum was a head teacher, my dad was a university lecturer at Manchester Uni. I don't want to go to university. I want to be an entrepreneur. I'm going to do an internship for free at this co-working space in Manchester. I'm, I'm gonna. I was going to all these networking events. I literally just didn't have a didn't have anything to say to be honest. But I was just going to these networking events and uh, just university didn't seem the right choice for entrepreneurship. Yet uh, they they were absolutely horrified. So like they were searching for degrees for me. I and so my cousin. Like everyone who everyone in my family was on this fight to get me to go to university. So uh, yeah, she found this university um, entrepreneurship degree. My cousin did, and there I met Zach and a load of other kind of young troublemakers um, who've ended up being entrepreneurs in so many different weird fields of the world, which my parents have no idea about. And yeah, it was only when I realized that that entrepreneurship degree would give me three years kind of runway to create any sort of business. I'd be with like-minded people. I would, I had coaches there, which were kind of as part of the program that I kind of realized that actually that would be even better than just, just doing the work experience because I could do the work experience on top. And uh, yeah, that, that was where I met Zach. I um, didn't actually, I worked with another uh, student on the degree for four years before I left that business and then joined Jack in the uh, Zach in the YouTube game. So um, yeah, it's it was it was an interesting degree that definitely had a lot of interesting characters. That's a lot of interesting projects come out of it. Sounds like it. Well, it led to your first business, uh, but very sh shortly after that, you fell into YouTube. Uh, two thousand and eighteen, I think it was. Uh, we're filming this in two thousand and twenty, so two years into it how how did that happen was that deliberate did you plan to do it it was weirdly deliberate and weirdly by accident um there was a stage where yeah i was selling this software to universities and that business i didn't really 
in, in my mind as a kid, I always thought entrepreneur was one job. Like it was just to be an entrepreneur, it's to have no boss. And if you're an entrepreneur, you are happy. If you're a successful entrepreneur, you are rich and happy. Um, and that was it really. But I didn't really realize running a uh, software company looks very different to being an entrepreneur who's in the YouTube space. And essentially running a software company, selling software to universities, isn't that fun or wasn't that fun for me anyway. So I was going up to Aberdeen. I was going to everywhere in the UK, Cardiff, uh, well, yeah, London all the time, York, just literally going all the way around the country in, in a suit, which was a Marks and Spencer's cheap suit. Oh, you know, I remember it so vividly. Um, and uh, yeah, Bolton, oh, all these universities just selling software that, it was, it was, it seemed in my mind, it was a great idea that the, the quality of the actual enterprise stuff when you pulled it all together, um, we definitely had our teething issues, but it was a great idea. I, I really believed in it. Um, but the universities just simply didn't. We were stopping students dropping out using predictive analytics, using the data that they already had and actually just extracting more value out of it and really kind of adding value to the students' lives and stopping them drop out when they're at the most kind of vulnerable state and, and stopping them hopefully hints are in a downward spiral where if you drop out you're gonna that's gonna reflect in all areas of your life you're gonna feel like a failure um so i really believed in it but it was just knocking my head against the door in these corporate rooms of executives who just didn't want to see a 22 year old kid 21 year old kid in a suit sell software that they needed to hand over their student data that um that yeah that was a 30 grand investment and i and, and i was losing like to run it, I had a full-time developer, I had a few kind of freelancers. It was like six grand a month. And the way that the kind of payment schemes worked was they'd pay me like 30 grand, pretty much in a chunk fee. Um, and I had a couple of them. And then I'd have that money all in my bank account and then have to use the next, like be quite careful with the monthly expenditure and the burn rate to just make that last until next year's sales. So I was just kind of losing five, six, seven, eight grand a month, just watching the money go down. And like, this just isn't that fun. Um, and, and, and yeah, it means that we kind of just started sneaking into places as students, um, just for a bit of mischief, really, for our own personal reasons. But I remember sneaking backstage at Skepta once and uh, thinking, if I recorded that whole thing, I just saw a load of staff behind the bar grabbing uh, with, with load of drinks, going backstage. And I, I just grabbed a bin and went backstage. And uh, I, was, I was having drinks. I got kicked out, but the security guard went, before I got kicked out, I went, whoa, 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 wait, let me let me tell you how I got in, then you can kick me out. I told them that I grabbed a bin and Skepta was like, mate, that is that's fucking cool. You can stay. So I was like, oh my God, that is amazing. What just the world opened up to me basically. Um I said, if that was filmed, that could have definitely gone viral. And that's what means that just kind of started doing really. We just started going viral. Um well we started sneaking into places. So means that the first one we did was 2016 Olympic boss. The Olympic heroes were for the first time parading in Manchester instead of just London. There was like hundreds of thousands of people waiting to watch them. And means that bought the discounted JJB sports tracksuits and a 15 pound gold medal off eBay. It looked pretty identical. We were surprised at how good it looked. <laughs> um, and yeah, kind of on the day at a flat in Manchester at the time, we just five minutes from my, my flat, just left, had the kit on, got ushered on the coach with the fencing team, and yeah, we made Sky News that day because Sky News was interviewing us and I accidentally said that we won the Olympics and that's why we were on the boat, the bus as opposed to won the fencing in the Olympics. Um, <laughs> oh, oh yeah, and it actually turned out that fencing wasn't even a sport in the Olympics either. It was, uh, I think it was triathlon. 
uh, pentathlete. So that was it. So right, right, right. So that <laughs> millions of views um, on on BBC. It went everywhere. The Guardian, the Times, just every mainstream newspaper covered it. And that was uh, yeah. You must have cameras with you, right? You, did you have cameras or just smartphones or what? What, what, what were you using? Yes, yeah, Zach. Zach had his. Uh, um, I think that was all actually iPhone job. That one. We, we, Zach does have his DSLR camera. Uh, it's, um, but yeah, we did that in the flat, and then it was just all iPhones from there on out, really. Um, but but that was an interesting one because it was. It, I, I remember pitching at University of Bolton after that, and someone saying, "I had quite a few people recognise me, and so did Zach." And someone said, "You're looking very similar. You look very similar." And I just and I was trying to give him, get them to give me twenty five grand here, and I was like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've just got a very familiar face. It's 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 basically I was trying to get out of it." And um, yeah, so then I had to kind of park the sneaking in stuff. As much fun as it was, I, I didn't, I thought the potential was in my business, not the YouTube side. So Zach went on to continue sneaking into places and created his own YouTube channel, which is which ended up getting about 120,000 subscribers um, on the Zach Orsop channel. Um, and then kind of about a year later, he finally persuaded me to leave my boring job um, and business to then do YouTube full time. And then I... There still was a bit of like unsure on like whether I'm joining him or like what's going on. Um, do I join his existing channel? But we ended up deciding just creating our new channel, which was the Zach and Jay Show two years ago. Um, and yeah, haven't looked back. Haven't looked back. And what was that? That must have been a difficult decision at the time, was it, Jamie? I mean, did did you talk about that with your parents and uh, deliberate long and hard? Or yeah, it, it's so strange. I really do look back on it and say like, how can the the most difficult decision of my life? be the easiest decision at the time, be the easiest decision looking back. Uh, it really was just such an obvious decision to to leave a business that I I hate. Uh, I, yeah, hate's a strong word, but I think I may have got close to hating it. Um, yeah, so, um, yeah, it was something that Zach said. Zach said, are you, what does success look like if you stay at this business? And I was like, I'm going to, be the technology developer and provider for universities in the UK and worldwide. And we're going to massively update their processes with the best end tech in this massively technologically deprived sector that is still a huge, huge sector. Um, but I was like, hang on a minute, that's going to take 15, 20 years minimum. And I probably will not be able to do that. I will probably fail as a startup owner. And I was like, do I really, is that, is that the bet I'm looking at? If the advantages of spending 15 to 20 years in a place that isn't going to really, like, I don't enjoy the place. Am I willing to fail to make this a success? And I realized kind of there and then I don't I, like, or do YouTube where the best case scenario is 10 years with, or, or two years with my best mate having as much fun as we can. Um, the best uh, is that's the worst case scenario. The best case scenario is, make doing all of that and making a shitload of money and having a big impact in the world and being able to create any other business on top of the existing platform and audience that we've built and that that was the no-brainer really but even that it was still kind of a slow like it was it was a couple months after that and i was like right finally i'm done yeah well from one startup to the next um when you made that commitment with with zach and started producing more content was there a time you thought it would fail yeah um weirdly there was no time whatsoever that it was going to fail before we launched it um if anything we were uber overconfident um that it was a no-brainer um where in about a year and a half zach had got one hundred twenty thousand subscribers i was like ah together we'd be able to get that in six months easy 
but it was it was essentially a lot harder than I thought and we thought. Uh, about five months in, we had uh, forty five thousand, about forty five thousand subscribers. We both had about twenty. I, I had about twenty five grand. Zach had about twenty twenty five grand as well. I can't remember exactly, but we both had like a set amount of money, basically a year's salary. Um, and we were like, right, we are just gonna go hell for leather. I moved to London for it. Uh, yeah, we were five months in. We'd gone to forty five thousand subscribers. We'd we'd made about three grand in a brand deal, like no way near enough. There's like five grand going out every month with a video, like the production and salaries and everything just to keep us alive. Um, we had about two months, three months left. Um, and it just wasn't looking good. I remember speaking to our mentor and saying like, we're not, we're not desperate yet, but if, if nothing crazy happens, like the trajectory isn't looking great. Um, but weirdly enough, kind of that next week, like literally it was a week later, we had a video that took off and got us an, an extra 150,000 subscribers in the, over the next six weeks, which equated to around £15,000 in ad money and then enabled us to get a brand... Oh, no, it was about £12,000 ad money and then enabled us to get a brand deal which was worth £15,000 because we had this bigger platform. So, uh, yeah, literally like within two weeks the whole channel's success uh or not even success but like runway went from two months three months to uh the rest of the year like we, we got an extra kind of 10 months out of that 25 grand just to it turned on a dime so to speak and i've seen that video and 17 million others have as well yeah. uh, tell us a little bit more about it yeah that video went crazy um what yeah, yeah. So we, essentially, we uh, it was it was a weird one. We were googling ideas, or I was googling ideas. That was kind of the role switch. That was the editing. I, I I don't really know how to edit, or don't at all know how to edit, and don't know, don't really. I'm crap at filming as well. Um, but yeah, I was kind of more focusing on the ideas and the production of the ideas, just while I had the headspace. It's a lot more equal on the ideas now. Um, yeah, so Paris Fashion Week, uh, London Fashion Week was coming up. Was that right? There's got to be something we can do there. Uh, we thought of yeah, just basically grabbing our mate putting him in the worst clothes possible and seeing if we can trick the paparazzi into thinking he was a top model. And uh, I think it's safe to say that we did that, really. Uh, yeah, the video, I think it's on like 17 or 18 million views now. Uh, it got like seven, but it, it went super international. Um, it got 77 million views on the Chinese social media app Weibo, um, which, is, which is weird. We were just trying to, we were trying to get an account and it was so hard to do. It was yeah it was it was a difficult one um but yeah that, that went crazy that went absolutely crazy and changed the game for us and you went from strength to strength so shortly shortly after that i think you did the uh, the video around uh, you posted 100 letters right to mansions yeah. around london i guess asking if you could be let in yeah yeah literally yeah, yeah, we, we posted uh, curiosity. I always talk a lot about emotional intensity and uh, how can you evoke the most amount of emotion in videos or in anything that you do, I think, with yeah, songs we talk about in music, even marketing, products, everything, emotional intensity um, is good. Is Yeah, is good. And um, yeah, for the, for, the, for the London Fashion Week one, it was curiosity. Oh my God, is this going to work? It was the nerve wracking because it literally looked so dumb in our outfits. Is he going to walk down this in public? Surely not. He had a pink rug around his head. Um, oh, my God, it was fooled. These fashion people who are super good looking and super rich and don't ever work, they know nothing. Ha, 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 ha. There was like kind of the society's uh, 
image of this high-end fashion thing not working. And uh, yeah, with this Matt Letters of uh, Mansions in London, there's, there's two things really. There was one, there was a trend going around on YouTube, but the other one was, um, was yeah, this curiosity of what is behind these mega rich people in London? What are their houses looking like? And uh, yeah, that, that kind of curiosity, uh, that curiosity was the emotion that we kind of focused, focused on with that one. Um, and yeah, there was also kind of another another thing, kind of advice for you, if you if you're on YouTube, if this is uh, helpful in that sense, was that there was a trend going around YouTube, which was I DM'd a hundred celebrities, and this is what they said, or this is what happened, and you can still type that into this day, and the whole front page is covered with that exact same title, with exact same thumbnails, and the first guy to do it got millions of views, then other people did it and still and did really well for their own channels, and yeah, um, we, we've never really been a fan of that, but. We could tell what what is the psychology of why people kicking on it is the kind of the the curiosity behind what happens if you've got a blue tick what do the celebrities say um, and we just kind of try to apply that in a different way which is a real life application of going inside mansions really right um, and and it's um, hugely entertaining content uh, very funny and uh, and you guys do it thoughtfully as well and, and respectfully um, it, it's it's important to note. Um, it's not all um, fun and games, though, is it? It's a hard, you know, it's not it's not an easy thing to be a YouTuber. It's hard work. You have to come up with ideas constantly yeah. that are original and engaging. How do you do that? Yeah, I, I actually think the first six months of running the YouTube channel were uh, probably the hardest of uh, mine and probably Zach's careers. Uh, and that's gone from, like, a software company where we had developers that were predicting, uh, that were developing algorithms that uh, was on predictive analytics with, uh, yeah, with um, control data and testing data, building up the models, and then using the data outputs of that into kind of a web application that was built as well, and then selling that whole thing that was packaged up to universities, these institutions. I honestly think YouTube was harder. Um, it was probably more simple, but it was still a lot harder where there was, yeah, video a week was pretty relentless, was, was very relentless, in fact. Um, you're editing at least three, um, three days of that, as that is. Um, then you've got to film a video in a day, pretty much. Some of them take two days, and then, then you're already kind of scrambling. Uh, yeah, there's, um, yeah, it's tough. It's tough. There's, and, and I think as well, like the bar to YouTube now is, if you want to be a, a, a YouTuber influencer, uh, or a YouTuber who gets paid off ad money and brand deals just from YouTube. The bar's kind of never been higher where there's never been more people in the space. And as a result of the increased the demand uh, or the increased supply, the, the, the demand I feel like is maybe not stayed the same, like the demand, demand is increasing, but I think because there's such high supply, like the, the value of it goes down and it just, and you're competing on quality of edits, quality of ideas, how often you can post, um, like you, we're just seeing ridiculous levels like creators are spending 15 20 000 pounds mr beast is throwing hundreds of thousands of pounds at each video uh yeah the bar is just so high at the moment it's, it's pretty crazy and you can see that in in the quality and it's and it's relentless and and hard work you're also putting yourself out there aren't you you're in the public eye and i'm sure you're getting recognized a lot more uh these days than when you were selling software what's that like uh, it, it's a weird one to be honest. Um, it, it's, it's quite weird because like, whenever I uh, when I thought about joining YouTube, I literally just didn't think about 
what do you want to do you want to be famous essentially do you want to be known do you want to be able and uh and so that kind of took me it took me by surprise one that i didn't think about that because it's kind of obvious like to be successful on youtube you kind of have to be known um but yeah to yeah that it is quite a weird feeling it's uh you'd think it'd be good you think it'd be universally good having some say i like your vids i like your vids I like your vids and that that side is great um but yeah it definitely takes some getting used to um but yeah, overall, it's great. Like everyone who says it, it's, there's never a problem with the individuals. Everyone's always super nice. And yeah, it does, does make you feel good, I suppose, that your creations are appreciated. The accidental celebrity. And I, you know, we, we've got to know each other a little bit. Uh, you're, I, I would say, first and foremost, an entrepreneur and, and still an entrepreneur. And that's very much what you're doing now. And uh, really interested to hear your ideas, Jamie, uh, having built a big influencer platform on social and on YouTube. Um, what do you think the possibilities are for uh, expanding that? And uh, what are the possibilities for brands that may be interested in working with YouTubers? Um, I, I uh, think there's, there's huge possibilities in both. I think, um, yeah, there's, there's so much I could say on both of those things. Um, what, what I'll say on the opportunity side of being a creator um, you, a lot of businesses, the first thing that they go, like a lot of businesses kind of build an amazing product that costs a lot to build. And then they need a shitload of seed money, seed investment to then use to invest and bring customers to us, to the platform that they've built. And such like, such a key thing that investment, that investors want is what is the traction like in your existing product? YouTubers are in a great position where, the, the, the money is very good if you can get to the, the top percent. And I think we're in the stage where we, 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 we've got good uh, financial reserves where we're kind of living at a, a comfortable level. Uh, the business account has got that. So we've got kind of financial capital to inject in it without kind of investment. Um, and we've got a huge core of people uh, which we can just kind of test products on. We can really work out what's, uh, how product market fit, um, get, get to product market fit with us, select people who absolutely love us in the first place like they already love us that like the idea of us an extension of us in the form of a product it kind of doesn't really matter what product it is like they will jump at it which is amazing um one thing that uh, someone mentioned to me which i actually didn't appreciate but your ability to open doors as a quote-unquote influencer just even with a blue tick like i i literally network all the time that's how we know I'm, i message you on linkedin but on instagram you can just open doors a lot quicker with a blue tick uh, I don't have one on Twitter yet, but um, yeah, I'm messaging people on Twitter all the time. Just just being kind of a YouTuber and, and a so-called influencer just turns kind of heads in a weird way where it, it just it's, it's, it's I'm very excited to see what um, what we go into create, but also what other YouTubers create. And uh, I do think that is a kind of highly underappreciated in every kind of market or segment out, outside of YouTube. I think a lot of YouTubers know how how. Uh, opportunistic the spaces because they make a lot of money from merch but i think um yeah I, yeah i think i think the next uh the next uh developments of influences will be big like the youngest bit the thing that got me was that like, the youngest self-made billionaire in the world she's not a tech genius or he or she is not a tech genius that's gone from harvard and stuff like mark Zuckerberg may have been the youngest billionaire but it, is, it was an influence it was kylie jenner with her uh, makeup brand which essentially she built from being an influencer and, and nothing but she's not a makeup genius or maybe she is but she, she's way more an influencer genius as opposed to a kind of um a genius in any other space first so yeah and, I think it's, I think it's 
And like a good example, and like Kylie, um, your loyalty is first and foremost, uh, I think, to the the fan base, the followers that you've built. Um, so I guess you you're quite selective in how you use that platform, right? It's not just anyone who who can rock up. Obviously, there's advertising that shows on your content, which is algorithmically uh, controlled. But wh who you select personally to work with um, is. Uh, is something that you need to align to your your fan base and, and your own values. Is that right? Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. Yeah, um, we uh, yeah. And the other point on the brand side, which kind of uh, merges with this point, is I think YouTube offers brands a very unique opportunity to be able to intertwine kind of the brand with something that people already love in a creative way brands are always going to agencies and saying right we want to launch this how do we make it creative well everything we do as zach and jay is creative we don't do it if it's not creative. we don't do it if it doesn't emo uh, evoke emotion if a brand wants to work with us and and they they can give us so much money but if it's going to bore our audience we're just going to say no because then we will lose our audience so um and and that's where there's so much opportunity and that's kind of what we are we, we, we're nothing without our audience so um yeah, I think that's um, that, that's, a, that's a great opportunity for brands to work with YouTubers who can help kind of shape the script around their style and flair, which I think with TV, you don't really get like the quality of the content has to be so good that the content that people are there for, when that switches off, the viewers stay. When in YouTube, the quality of the branded integration or the quality of the branded content could just be the content which the audience absolutely loves in its own right. So I think that's unique as well. That is a that is a really interesting distinction that you just draw there between uh, between sort of video on demand like a, a, a YouTube versus a, a broadcast um, equivalent. Um, if, fantastic. So look, uh, if you're a brand and you're interested in working with uh, the Zach and Jay show, uh, best way to get in touch with you, Jamie, I guess, is a direct message over one of your social platforms. Yeah, or just shoot me an email, Jay at zachandjay.com. I'll link it below uh, for anyone who's interested. Um, now, one of the things that you're you're starting to explore is different uh, different ways of using the footprint that you've got for social purpose. You're a very socially minded guy, and this is actually how you and I met. Um, would you like to talk about some of the things that we're doing together in uh, in the record business? Yeah. Um... I, well, I've, I've always been intrigued before um, on how we can use that platform to promote music artists, essentially. A key thing of uh, the content that we produce is kind of we, we, we shine a light pretty much in every video on underrated artists or in my, our mind, underrated artists or just great artists without an audience. And uh, yeah, our audience are really appreciative of it. Artists are really appreciative of it. And I've always thought like, what could we do if we package that up in some way and, and really kind of shone a light on one artist for three months? Um, and yeah, so you set up the record label, um, Big Community Records, and yeah, really vibed with the artist, which was kind of important, not well, very important, in fact. And um, yeah, it's, it seems to be, I'm excited to see what you do out of it and what we do together. And um, yeah, it seems, seems really cool. It's an exciting, it's another example of just YouTube kind of going into another space, which is linked with the core of it. And it enhances everything overall, as opposed to takes away from it. Yeah, so I'm really excited to find out too, Jamie. We're, we're both of us on a, on a bit of a journey there and um, 
Quasi Courts, the artist, he's uh, he's a good guy, and uh, yeah, check him out. I'll link him. I'll link him below as well. There you go. I was I, I loved hearing the story, and I think you could probably tell it better than me on why you set that up as a kind of a senior at Google. Um, yeah, why you set up big community records? Yeah, that well, kind of, I I wanted to get involved even before I knew this story, and I thought this story kind of cemented it for me. Yeah. We've swapped roles here. I mean, I mean I'll, I'll answer the question. But uh, yeah, I mean, this, to be clear, is a side business. It's nothing to do with Google. It's something I've done on the side. Um, and it was really, um, it, it evolved from a mentoring relationship I had with Quasi. He, he was helping me understand his circumstances growing up in, in, the, in the ends of London, so to speak, from a lower socioeconomic community in a, a pretty tough set of circumstances. I was doing what I could to help him with business and digital. Um, music's digital these days. And uh, we kind of fell forward together and decided to work with one another. And that, that's what led to the founding of Big Community Records. It's a social enterprise on a mission to surface and celebrate creative talent from lower, lower socioeconomic communities. And there's so much talent out there. You know, talent is reasonably evenly spread, but opportunity isn't. So what BCR is uh, endeavouring to do is to, is to pump the oxygen uh, into those places where there's perhaps fewer opportunities and, uh, and give artists the, uh, the stage to, to shine. And I hope, I hope we're successful in that mission. For me, it's a, an interest and a, and a social mission, but for Quasi and others that we work with, it's their life. Uh, so I take that very seriously and, and uh, certainly appreciate your alignment and social, uh, social conscience in, in helping with it. Um, Jamie, let's, let's end with this. There's probably people watching who are thinking about becoming an influencer or wondering about um, expressing themselves creatively, maybe using YouTube or some of the other platforms available. What advice would you give them? Oh, this is always such a tough one. Um, I always say, and it's, it's a little bit cliche, but why are you doing it? Like, start with why is the cliche, but why do you want to be an influencer? There's a lot of, um, is it because you want a nine to, you don't want to live a nine to five job that it's probably not for you. Like I said, it was, it was way, it was tougher than my already really tough business, previous business. Um, but it, saying that it is a great way to kind of flex your creativity muscles and put that out somewhere that other people can see. Um, in which case that's great. But, doing that to kind of yeah doing that to then live two hours a week isn't or or get paid on two hours a week uh it, it doesn't those kind of things don't really align because a lot of the creators who you really look up to are working crazy hours like honestly there's like logan paul who is making serious amounts of money that again kind of i think a lot of businesses would be like that is an amazing entrepreneur but kind of don't but yeah he's making crazy amounts of money and um He's just, I look at him and go, how the hell is he doing it all? So uh, I think there's a bit of a, a misalignment with that. So yeah, if you're doing it, do it for the right reasons. Do it to flex your creativity muscles. Uh, do it because you think you can bring something to the world that no one else can. So I've really felt passionate about with me and Zach at the beginning. And, and now, and now. Um, so yeah, I think that's, I'll leave it at that. That's great. Uh, do it for the right reasons. Flex your creativity muscles. What a great note to end on. Jamie Rawthorne. You're an inspiration to me and many others. Thank you so much for joining me. Well, thanks a lot, Craig, and you.